I think that understanding of the parable is common, but I, I really believe it misses the point entirely. It only makes sense if you believe that all bad things are caused by God and that Jesus protects some of us, but apparently not all of us. And if that were the lesson of the story, I'd be done with this thing called faith. The question at the core of today's gospel is not an unfamiliar one to those of us who call ourselves people of faith. We ask similar questions every time something bad happens in the world, whether it's a natural disaster or a human-made one. Why do bad things happen? Did the sin of people cause this bad thing? The questions that the people ask Jesus in today's gospel are about current events in that time. One is about state-sanctioned violence, one about a senseless tragedy. Both are well-known. Both are the cause of a lot of communal pain and trauma and fear. Both could be easily replaced with any number of things happening in our world today. From war crimes being perpetrated on the Ukrainian people by an unscrupulous, evil dictator, to tornadoes or floods, when we hear people ask this question about bad things, when we hear people ask this to Jesus in today's gospel, we, in so many ways, lean forward to hear the answer. We want to know what Jesus is going to say. We want to hear what they wanted to hear. The belief in this day was that when bad things happened, people did something to warrant it. Now, we may not say we believe this, but trust me, it's, it's in us. It's in all of us. It's in our beliefs, in our questions. We, we ask this question not because we're bad people, but because we're scared. We want to set ourselves apart. We want to have the world feel less chaotic, more in control. We want to assure ourselves that this can't and won't happen to us. So we ask questions like, well, were they vaccinated? Were they a smoker? What was she wearing? Why didn't he just follow the instructions? We don't want to face the reality that sometimes, most of the time even, life just happens to all of us. There's no rhyme or reason. It just happens. If Jesus answers, yes, they were sinners, then we can know the line, right? This is what they're wondering. Can we know the line, what do I have to not do? What can I get right up to but not cross? And then maybe this won't happen to me. Maybe the bad thing can be avoided. This is what we want to know. We don't want to hear that life just happens. They did everything right. They didn't deserve this. Can't they just catch a break? It's not fair. It's just not fair. But no one wants to hear that. It's too hard, too scary, 
too out of our control to think about. We'd rather figure out what someone did to cause the bad thing so we can prevent the same bad thing from happening to us. As much as we'd like to say this is just a problem from Jesus' time, we have all thought this or said these very things. So I'd say we're all pretty interested in Jesus' response. He says, No, they were just like you. And unless you repent, you'll perish just like they did. The good news of the Lord. <laughs> it's a hard word from Jesus today. Not the good news we were hoping for, not what those gathered around Jesus were hoping for either. And then to explain, or at the very least, expand his no, they weren't worse sinners, he tells a parable. This parable is the response to the question, why did these bad things happen? This parable only appears in the Gospel of Luke. It's not in the other three. So that makes it fun for preachers, at least more interesting in the cycle. It's not an easy parable, but it's important. You see, parables are used to redirect perspective to help us see things from another point of view or in a new way. And so our question can be then, what is the perspective Jesus is trying to get us to redirect? There are three players in this parable, the vineyard owner, the gardener, and the tree. Can't forget the tree. And many who have read this parable read it as Jesus, represented by the gardener, standing between the angry God, represented by the vineyard owner, deciding the tree our fate, right? I think that understanding of the parable is common, but I, I really believe it misses the point entirely. It only makes sense if you believe that all bad things are caused by God, and that Jesus protects some of us, but apparently not all of us. And if that were the lesson of the story, I'd be done with this thing called faith. Full pass, I'm out. I cannot, I will not believe in a God who just tosses bad things around like candy for some kind of rage relief. I'd be out. I certainly couldn't stand up here. Instead, I think if we remember this parable is told to answer a question about where the askers have placed themselves on the scale of sinfulness to see if bad things might be coming for them too, and this is the response Jesus tells that helps a little bit, right? Repent, he says, you are thinking all wrong. Life is not about how long you get to be here or how close to the line you can get before you're punished or even anxiously awaiting your bad thing to happen. Repent. Life is about repentance, Jesus says. And by repentance, I want to be clear here, I don't mean just feeling bad or contrition. I mean being able to renew our minds and hearts to see God's point of view. And when we see God's perspective, when we see from God's perspective, then we have no choice but to adjust our own accordingly. It turns us outward instead of inward. Repentance, by this definition then, is something that is a perspective change that changes how you live. Not as a requirement, but as something that happens as a result of God's perspective in the world.
It's been a couple of weeks since I've quoted my favorite pastor, so I'm doing it here. Uh, my family teases me a lot about how much I quote Barbara Brown Taylor because I love her so much, but I do. So uh, she says that Jesus lets us listen in to this conversation between the gardener and the vineyard owner and trusts us to find the gospel. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's giving us this conversation. We get to eavesdrop, and he trusts that we can see what he means. She says that the gospel she finds might not be the gospel you find, but here's what she finds in this story. She says, I spend a lot of my life pushing out leaves and branches, figuring there's time to concentrate on the fruit. The leaves and branches are not inconsequential. They include keeping my house in good order, paying bills on time, meeting all kinds of deadlines, sending cards to friends, staying on top of email, working out twice a week, remembering to vote. The problem is that none of those things is what I was put on earth to do. The fruit part. I need time to think about that, time to make the kind of changes that will allow it to flourish so the fruit part keeps getting moved from now to eventually. Jesus' story isn't meant to induce guilt, it's meant to wake us up. I had a conversation last week after worship with someone whose spouse had had some real intense, unexpected health challenges recently, and they said to me, well, all I know is nothing is guaranteed and we only have today. We only have today. I wonder what it might look like if we all really lived with this viewpoint. What might change? What might you stop doing? What might you care less about? I honestly, personally, care about a lot of things I'm pretty sure Jesus doesn't give a rip about. I fall short often. I spend time caring about what people think about me. What I mean is I push out a lot of leaves. I'm actually really good at it. I'm really good. I got a lot of leaves, a lot of leaves on my tree, a lot of branches. Pastor Chad said this last week, I think it really bears repeating. Thank goodness the gospel depends on the grace of God and not on what I'm doing right or wrong. This is most certainly true. And it also cannot be ignored that this gospel, today's gospel, calls me, calls you, calls, calls all of us to spend less time on leaves and branches and a lot more time on bearing fruit. Life is too short and too precious to prioritize anything but fruit-bearing. Life is too short to do work that does not include radical acts of justice and inclusion. Life is too short to complain when I don't get what I want or try to justify myself when someone thinks I'm doing it all wrong. Life is way too short, y'all. It's also way too short to be carrying around an axe so I can chop down the trees around me instead of using that time to grow fruit. It's just too short. Again, St. Barbara says, as awful as it sounds, I think nothing is more clarifying than the reminder of the axe near all our roots. 
Not because an angry God put it there, but because the grass withers and the flower fades and none of us by worrying can add a single hour to our span of life. This is a message so hard for most of us to get that it takes something super dramatic to get our attention long enough to wonder if we are living our real lives, the ones we were put on this earth to live. And if not, if there is still time. God does not drop buildings on people. Jesus said so. Life happens to all of us, and it's unfair, and it doesn't make sense, but no one lives forever. Time does run out. Do not be surprised when it does. Many years ago, I sat in our cancer support group with a, a, a beloved group of people, and one of them said, man, I don't wish cancer on anybody, but I wish everybody had to hear the words, you have cancer. It does something to be reminded of how precious and short this life is. What we hear in today's gospel is the axe is sitting there and you got a year. That's what, that's what we heard. The tree has a year. What would you do if you had a year? Just a year. Might you spend some time thinking about how you want to live? Not because it changes God's mind about who you are. We will be reminded of that right down here this morning. It changes the life for those around you. Fruit sustains and feeds and cares for people like branches and leaves cannot. Branches and leaves are for us. Fruit is for others. What if you had a year? Who would you want to live for? How would you want to be remembered? How would you spend your time? Who would you spend it with? What would you care about? That time is now, Jesus says. Stop putting it off for later. The time is now. Repent now. Turn your ways to align with the ways of God and stop looking at the trees next to you. It's time to stop wasting your energy on stuff that doesn't matter. It's time to change your perspective. Repent. Unfortunately for us, this parable does not have an ending. We don't, we don't get a year later, we don't get the fast forward to a year later to see what happens when the vineyard owner walks back in and says to his gardener, how's the fig tree doing? We don't get it. Jesus leaves it open-ended. That is very frustrating. I want to know what happens next. The owner says his peace. The gardener makes a counteroffer. The tree has a year. Stop. But what a year. A year to trust that God's going to do some digging around. Maybe put some crap on it. It's already happening, right? Digging up the hard dirt of our hearts and minds and souls and seeing what can grow. A year to do something more than just make leaves and branches. A year to bear fruit 
that offers sweetness and sustenance to a world that needs it. Over and over again, as I wrote this week for this sermon, I kept on thinking of one line from a Mary Oliver poem, so I'm going to end with that poem this morning before we move over to communion. It's called A Summer's Day. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. The one who has flung herself out of the grass, the one who's eating sugar out of my hand who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down, who is gazing around with her enormous, complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms. She thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down in the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Amen. So we are reminded, we have been fed, we have been reminded of the grace of God. We got both sacraments in one day, you guys. That's extra. We got extra grace today, extra extra bread, extra grace, extra love of God. And we take that with us out into the world to bear fruit as we go in peace to love and serve the Lord.